stationary. Y'all know I love to take notes. I love to write. I love to write on paper. I love to write in notebooks. Matt, what'd you get me for Christmas this year? I got you notebooks and pens and organizers. Correct. I love it. Uh, and I find that it genuinely helps me remember things better as opposed to typing them or like putting them on a, like a text file or whatever. Actually writing something down physically helps me a lot. It helps me organize my thoughts. It helps me get my work done. And ever since I got my new uh, iPad and I got the Apple Pencil with it, I have been doing that on there, and that's great. The only problem I've had with it, it doesn't quite feel like writing on paper, which is a feeling I like. We have the solution to that problem. That's right. Paper-like. As I mentioned at the top of the show, it's a screen protector for your iPad. It uses a proprietary technology called nanodots. With those nanodots, you feel the natural resistance of paper on your iPad screen. It is a paper-like feeling on your iPad. So if you're drawing, if you're taking notes, if you're using your iPad like you would a notebook, here's the way for it to really feel natural. And Chris, I know you love that. You you have an iPad, you got a paper-like and I'm sure it's, it feels just right for you. It does. It feels great to use. Also, Matt, you know I'm very particular about paper. I have yes. specific brands of notebooks that I will and will not use. And paper, like, feels good on the iPad. Uh, they also make accessories for the pencil to make the pencil a little more comfortable to hold. They make uh, accessories to help you clean the iPad as well. They've got it all. The ability to handwrite notes in a digital form is great to begin with, but getting that extra tactile feeling that makes me happy while I do it, <laughs> that gives me that little dopamine, that little serotonin burst that I like to have, is fantastic. The latest version of the Paperlike is manufactured in Switzerland using high-quality plastic foils designed for maximum picture clarity. You're not going to lose any of the definition of your iPad screen if you put a paper-like on there. And these foils are developed exclusively for paper-like products. It also always comes in a set of two, so you have a spare. Look, we know a lot of artists listen to this show. If you're an artist and you're looking for a way to make drawing on your iPad feel a little bit better, this is how you do it. So, to pick up your paper-like, head over to paperlike.com Ajax, click Buy Paper-like, and select your iPad size. From now, right now, until the end of January, Paperlike is also including their Digital Pro Planner Bundle at no extra cost for every order placed through the Paperlike store. Plus, shipping is completely free. So if you're ready to do more with your iPad, head over to paperlike.com Ajax to get started. 
I can't remember who started the last one of these. I can't remember who starts this either. I think we take turns, and I think it's your turn. Okay, well, welcome to Comics Catch-Up, everybody. My name is Matt Wilson, and Chris Sims is here with me as always. Hi. This is... The show where we read stuff we missed and catch up on it. You heard me talk about it in the opening. And uh, this time around, your votes brought to us Hellboy and Hell. Matt, I have a question for you. Okay. There's a lot of comics on the Every Story Ever list, and and we've read even more comics than that in our lives. Yes. Uh, is this the only comic we have on the list where someone slits the devil's throat? I believe probably so. Because, I, I mean, that's pretty cool. I can't think of any others. I okay. cannot think of any others. Uh, to give a little bit of backstory about Hellboy in Hell... This is a 10-issue series that started in 2012 mm-hmm. and ended in 2015. Uh, it took Mike Mignola around three years to do these 10 issues, which kind of comes through in reading it, I think, mm-hmm. because it is not a breakneck-paced action-y kind of story. It's a very contemplative, uh, patient sort of story, let's say. I don't mean this in an overly negative way, but it absolutely reads like it's a four-issue miniseries that then has six issues of epilogues. Like, six issues of, like, and here's some other stuff that happened. Well, I I, want to ask this question, actually. I feel like it's the question we must ask right here at the beginning mm-hmm. of talking about Hellboy and Hell. Is this one story? Yes, I do think it I do think it is one story because it does all take place within the context of Hellboy being in hell, obviously, but also in the the aftermath and consequences of both Hellboy going to hell and of the devil getting his throat slit. Because I think you're right. I think the big story, which involves the the devil, Satan, getting killed, and all the demons leaving Pandemonium, mm-hmm. happens within the first four issues or so. Yes. And then everything after that is about sort of the repercussions of that, uh, like Hellboy being sick. Despite him being dead and in hell, yeah. But there's also, you know, you you get you get stuff like what happened to all the demons after they fled Pandemonium. Like what right. happened to uh, that one demon who was going to eat that dude's soul if he didn't tell him what his meal was. And and if you haven't read Hellboy in Hell, obviously we're going to spoil some stuff. The uh, and then there's the story of who actually killed Satan. Mm-hmm who turns out to be Hellboy's own flesh and blood, his sister. Wait, no, like it was, it was Hellboy. Wait, was it? Yeah, it was Hellboy. Hellboy killed Satan. His sister is driven mad by the, the, by the Furies and they send her to go follow the river of blood to find Satan's dead body, which is also (laughs) fucking choice. Okay. But when Hellboy's being put on trial for Satan's death, he's not being put on trial trial for Satan's death. He's putting being put on trial for uh Azazel's death. But for the deaths of his uncle and brother. Yes. 
not his father not his father i didn't read it like a couple weeks ago or yeah a couple weeks ago so maybe uh, details have lost i mean to be fair it is like weirdly confusing and it is played as a reveal of who killed satan and hellboy is insistent that he did not do it yeah uh throughout but he did (laughs) we see it (laughs) like he he has those flashbacks I think a thing that is worth noting is this would only – this structure, if this was not a Hellboy book, would probably not work. Uh, because it's Hellboy, we are used to and kind of accepting of getting a big main story and then also a bunch of smaller like folktale stories, right? Like the best Hellboy stories, in my opinion, are – the the short ones it's it's the corpse you know it's, it's pancakes pancakes it's the wolves of saint august it's all of the the one issue stories the crooked man you know all of the shorter stories that doesn't mean the big ongoing hellboy story isn't good cuz it's dope and when you find out that uh hellboy is the descendant of king arthur and the devil <laughs> that shit rules don't get it a uh, twisted but I think because of that, and because that has been the Hellboy structure since the 90s, we get this very – we're allowed to – or we have an expectation that this can kind of go in a weird meditative direction that is a little – in any other book would feel plotting, right? In any other book would feel so unbearably slow and meandering. Well, I, I think – it's worth noting, like, if this were any other comic book where, you know, the book is named after a lead character, right? Mm-hmm. A, a, a character solo book, let's say. And that book was called Blank in Hell, right? right. Let's say, for the sake of argument, that the book was called Batman in Hell. Would read. Okay. You have an expectation of Batman in hell, right? Yes. Which Which would be a, a hell that's not just like old-looking cities, first of mm-hmm. all. You would probably want kind of a traditional mythical hell. And you would want certain things to happen you would want him fighting demons constantly you would want him sort of conquering hell you would want him to escape hell also yeah yes that's that's a big thing like which is exactly what you get in books like uh shredder in hell which is very good or or godzilla in hell which is maybe the most living up to its title comic of all time it fucking rules (laughs) Like, at the very least, you'd want to see, you know, Batman or your main character fight all the dead people that he knows. Like, all the dead bad guys. Like, what a great opportunity for dead bad guys to come back. Which happens maybe twice in ten issues. Like, ten issues of single-issue stories, essentially. Yeah, it it is not a a Greatest Hits of Hellboy, which you might consider since, at least at the time that this was published, this was purported to be Mike Mignola's last Hellboy story. Is it not? It, 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 as of now, it still is. Okay. He could always come back. 
That's true. And do something else. But this was at the time and is still the last Hellboy story. You might expect Mike Mignola to do kind of a victory lap, right? Mm-hmm. To kind of bring back the greatest hits. And he doesn't, he doesn't really do it. No, absolutely not. And I think that's really interesting. And it's also kind of like brave feels like the wrong word because it's not like he's, you know, running into traffic to rescue a baby or anything. But it is a very – it's a bold way to do a book called Hellboy in Hell, to not have Rasputin show up. Well, I think it's, yeah, I think it's really interesting that the big, like, Hellboy in full monster form, like, Mm -hmm. hugely, like, kaijued out, that that happens in the last issue, but as a flashback. We don't see it. We kind of see it. Yeah, but we, like... Matt, if I told you there was a comic and it had Hellboy fighting Behemoth and Leviathan yeah. in Hell, yeah, this is not what you would expect. This is not what you would expect because that's not really the story. It's like set dressing. It's like it's set dressing that comes before a very I don't know, like serene, almost melancholy ending where it's like, hey, Hellboy's dead. Yeah. Hellboy's dead and he's not coming back. Hellboy's dead, he's not coming back, but also, the concept of hell has been fundamentally changed. Right, all the demons are gone, and Satan's dead. All the demons are gone, Satan's dead. Hellboy, who is essentially human, and who we know from the past, like, you know, 20 years of stories, is a good dude, is now basically king of hell, which is empty of demons. Which is wild, Okay, I think I did find the part. It's in issue five, which is earlier than I thought it was, where it is revealed that Hellboy did kill Satan, mm-hmm. and it is not as it is not as clear as it could be. <laughs> oh no, because it, it's like it's that part where Hellboy's like, "What are you talking about? I didn't kill Satan," and the guy's like, "You don't remember it because you don't want to remember it." And then it's like there's one panel of Hellboy approaching Satan with a knife, and there's also uh, the part where the sort of his sort of like hell guide lady is uh, is saying like oh uh, you've you seem familiar let me see your hand the shaman woman that the soldier who had the magic whip took him to go see mm-hmm. and she says let me see your hand no your other hand your knife hand yeah and then it shows the knife clanging to the ground and Hellboy's hand dripping with blood yes. So he did do it. Okay. <laughs> That's pretty fucking dope. Um, can, can I just say, like, I love the depiction of hell in this book because it is a very classical depiction of hell, right? It is a very yes. – uh, It's not a archetypal depiction of hell that we think of now. Right. It's It's far more mythological, you might say. Yeah, it's very influenced, obviously, by Inferno, by Paradise Lost, all the stuff that you would expect to be influential on a depiction of hell. But I think it is really interestingly done that, you know, th- there is, th- there they t- we are told, hey, there's a lake of fire. Hey, here's some souls. Here's some demons. But, like, hell is basically a gloomy-ass city. Yes. Or it's, a, it's actually it is, a number of cities. 
Yes. Because Pandemonium is a city. Yes. Um, and the town that he's in when he meets the doctor, which that story is wild because it is about Hellboy getting cured of his sickness, but it's also just about the conflict between the doctor and this other guy. Yeah, this other guy who gets his soul trapped in a cat. Yeah. And then that cat goes on to live in Asheville, North Carolina, and appear on Warhawk and Ajax very yes. frequently. That cat is named Harry's son. But it's it's interesting how, like, you get this sense. Like, it, okay, if Mike Mignola did want to come back and do more Hellboy, he could do a whole series of stories about Hellboy just getting involved in these personal conflicts that people are having in hell. <laughs> yeah. What is hell like for a dude? Yeah. You know, what? what is hell like when Hellboy himself is no longer a unique quantity? Right. Which I also think is really cool. Like, when we see Hellboy fighting his uncle and his brothers, it's like three Hellboys. Yes, and I love the stuff, how that ends, where, like, that giant serpent just comes out of the fucking ground and eats him. Yeah. And Hellboy's reaction is just like, holy shit. Like, he's just, like yeah. so much of this comic is Hellboy just reacting with, like, just saying, crap, and having to, like, get out of there. Which also feels like it would be feel cheap and very disappointing. Because, like, a lot of stuff, like, we have talked about it before. It's a very it's, – it's a problematic way of writing characters. A bunch of stuff happens around Hellboy. Oh, yeah. Not even really to him, although a bunch of stuff happens to him. But a bunch of stuff just happens while he's there. Dudes get eaten by giant sea serpents. But that is and, that is Hellboy. And it works. Yes. It really like, does work. Hellboy, for whatever reason, is one of those protagonists who does not always have to be – the driver of the action. Mm -hmm. He's like, there's a handful of protagonists for whom that, that works. And if I can go back to my earlier point about the city where he meets the doctors, that city is London. It's called London, but it's hell. London. It's hell. It's London. Definitely in hell. It's London, but in hell. Yes. Yeah. It's like hell's version of London, which is <laughs> wild, but hell's version of London. Um, but like the, it's like Hellboy and Mad Max and like a handful of other protagonists can just be the guy who shows up and gets involved in a conflict that he has no real stake in, but he can like find the good side and help those people. You know? Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's like a Ronin character. It's like Yojimbo. There's a certain kind of character for whom you can do that. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that arguably shouldn't work in this that actually works very well and is weirdly satisfying. Like, I feel like this is a satisfying end for Hellboy, even though he kind of does one thing in the entire story, but it's a big thing because well, he kills the devil. Well, but it's, it, it's weird because anytime he does like, take over the action anytime he is the driver of the events it feels like he's out of his head like he doesn't know what he's doing yeah like some other force is taking over him like you even kind of get the sense that when he's fighting 
Leviathan and Behemoth, that's not quite Hellboy. Yeah, like I, I feel that way about him killing Satan. One of the reasons that it's so hard to to kind of get your head around is it's it does not feel like something he's doing. Like it, it feels like something is taking over him, and whether that is like destiny because he needs to f- like. There's a lot of talk in this about how Hellboy needs to uh, fulfill his destiny, and he has he has three things he needs to do. Yeah. And we're never told explicitly what those things are, but, but we I feel see like them happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we see them happen. We see, we see Satan getting killed. We see him fighting the monsters, but we know that like Edward Gray says he's going to take one on, onto himself. And I don't know if that means he is responsible for making Hellboy kill Satan because he gives him the knife, and then we don't see like that's we true. Just skip ahead in time. Yeah. So there's a lot of stuff that is like weird and prophetic and vague, but still works. Like, it's super satisfying, I think. This is like a good last Hellboy story, which is which is a hard thing to pull off. And and then in the end, the, the ending is so almost abstract, mm-hmm. where Hellboy does not, he does not escape Hell. No. He does not become not dead anymore. Yeah. But he does go to a place that's not so hellish. He, like, walks out of the city along a beach. He sees some creepy stuff and some nice stuff. Like, he, there are birds. There are birds flying around. And then he just goes to this, like, country house that's full of pictures and he sees some shapes, and he remembers when he was a kid. And that's the end. Yeah. And he just goes and lives in this house. I think that's really good. Because yeah. I feel like the the symbolism there, right, is that that's what hell is now. Like, He's made hell it doesn't l- have to be... Less what, hell. <laughs> yeah. It yeah. doesn't have to be what the devil and all the demons made it. Because they're not they're not around anymore. Like they're literally all dead. <laughs> like every, which is weird. Yeah, because I kind of want to read. There's all this yeah. stuff happening in the background about the demons, the demons who escaped Pandemonium, suddenly being killed by their armies. Yeah, like the armies rise up and kill the demon leaders in like revolts, as if they have been inspired by Hellboy mm-hmm. to kind of well, break out of their enslavement basically yeah because the because the lords of hell your beelzebubs your azathoths etc have shown weakness because they fled because they're afraid of hellboy and so they all get killed and then the surviving ones also get killed yeah uh when hellboy shows up and it is a uh 200 foot tall hellboy with wings and horns yeah it's really good (laughs) it's really good but yeah, I really like – it's also kind of a weirdly D&D interpretation of Hell. Like it, it's funny that we we read this like so soon after talking to Jim Zub about um, Descent to Avernus that's coming out and, and how he had to think about how civilization works in Hell and how like what do souls look like, which I think is, you know, very much like part and parcel of this. And it is very much that, you know, that – weirdly classical idea of hell is just a place that God isn't there. 
And so it's gloomy and it's dark and it's really just bad because of the people there. Yeah, and and there are things that are on fire, but not everything's on fire. And there I mean, are it's, parts that are not hot. And it's it's not, you know, all pitchforks and and demons everywhere. There are places where there are just people. It's very much a similar hell to what we see in like Sandman. Uh, except it's better because Hellboy's there, <laughs> and not and, and Sandman's not there. I am trying to remember if like it clicked for me that he killed Satan the, when I was reading through it, or if I just thought like his sister popping up, like somehow I put it together in my head where I was like, "Oh, she did it," and I don't know why. <laughs> well, it's because she does. Like she, the the Furies do talk about her going and finding Satan and finding like, and and her not knowing that he's dead, and then her finding him dead, and that she's going to be in you know mad, yeah, because they're you know classical Greek Furies, but so I think there's enough there where you could make that interpretation, but it's she's going to follow the river of blood to find Satan's corpse, which is metal as fuck. I really yeah. love that shit. Yeah, I I just got to the part where she found his dead body. Uh, yeah. That is in issue eight, I believe. Yes, issue yeah, eight. And it, again, it is kind of like it's five issues in before you know that happened. Yeah, like because a lot of it, it feels like Hellboy is going to have to make the choice of whether or not he's going to kill Satan, and that's the choice that he is going to make over the course of the story. And then five issues in, you're like, oh no, no, that shit happened in like number two. Yeah, but it already it it. it it definitely happened. Um, it was yeah. it was just it's a story that's told in a sort of disjointed way, but also, again, that's Hellboy. Like any any like weird complaint you might have about the story being obtuse or vague or moving slowly or any of that stuff, you can kind of brush aside because. It's Hellboy. That's what Hellboy does. Yeah, we have kind of been trained by 20 years of Hellboy stories to read this story, right? Yeah. Because we've got, like, all Hellboy is is stories told out of time sequence. Like, the stories themselves are told straightforward, but all of them take place at different points in Hellboy's life. We have learned to, like, read a lot from the atmosphere. There's so many, like, panels that are are just, like, there on the page in this book. I mean, that's the whole ending is like, here you go. Here's some panels of some stuff. Put yeah. it together. You know, there will be like anytime there's anytime there's three story panels on a page. There's a fourth panel there that's just like a skull or a close of a building <laughs> or a close of a church bell. Also, there's churches in hell. I don't know if y'all know about that, but uh, the hell church, what the the, the vampire that the vampire frog doesn't know about. Because he thinks there's no church bells, that shit ruled. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Hellboy in Hell is good. Hellboy in Hell is very good. I do not think it is my favorite Hellboy story. It is not a no. The perfect unit of story that we have seen in other I, Hellboy I mean, tales. Look, I okay. Maybe I'm just a dumb guy, but <laughs> I I don't think I'm a dumb guy, and so the fact that I was able to be confused about who actually killed Satan. Is probably a, a mark against this. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, I want to go ahead and confirm, you are not a dumb guy. <laughs> Thank you. 
<laughs> you I, are my I, number one guy, in fact. You are my number one. But, I, like, I, I'm more than willing to accept that I might be a dumb guy. But uh, I don't think I am. I I will ad- I will freely admit it took me a minute to to yeah. suss it out. And I think you I think it's supposed to. I think it's supposed to be it's it's definitely a plot point shrouded in mystery that the reveal also comes at that same like you know kind of methodical meditative pace. Yeah, so it's that, easy that, like there's no big there's no reaction shot of Hellboy going what or, or saying like I did it. I kill I yeah. did kill him. Like that doesn't happen. Oh shit! I killed Satan. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't happen. <laughs> at, at best, the reaction from Hellboy is just like, "Oh, okay." Like, Hellboy is okay. If I could get into this for a second, I'm one sure. of the one of the things that I don't care for in um, I haven't seen the new Hellboy movie, mm-hmm. but I've seen enough of it in trailers, and I think we're probably going to end up doing it for Movie Fighters because it's going on Amazon Prime. Who is it? Yes. I like, you know, I thought we should do Shazam. We could also do Shazam. We could do a month of Hellboy and a month of Shazam. Yeah, I think we I think we could. I Shazam looks fun. The Shazam new has Hellboy, been described to me as a children's movie that hates children and a Christmas movie that hates Christmas, so I'm really excited about fucking hating it. Oh no. Yeah. Oh no, Chris. Um well I think the new Hellboy looks pretty bad, and I think partially because it gets the the character of Hel- Hellboy really wrong because the Hellboy in those trailers is like quippy and exasperated. I don't necessarily think that's a bad interpretation of Hellboy. I mean, like quippy, maybe not, but I mean, like Hellboy is frequently exasperated, but he's not like flailing around going like, what's going on? No, it's more of a, what what does he say to that? Like, that's enough out of you, you horrible thing. <laughs> yeah. Like like Hellboy in the comics is understated. Yes. Right? He's he's he takes everything kind of weirdly in stride. Mm-hmm. Where his catchphrase, like certainly his catchphrase in Hellboy in Hell is aw crap. Yeah. Very where much so. It's it's just this kind of like understated, not exasperated, but like put upon. <laughs> yeah, like, he's because I think I think that's the product of two things. One, Hellboy is a is a noir detective. Yes, a hundred percent. Hellboy gets beat up a lot. Yes, he's all he's seen it all. He kind of you know he kind of knows everything, and he's just like over it because he he is himself a demon. And I think that also comes from the fact and and we you know we talked about Mignola. Mignola does some incredible art. And storytelling in this, uh, shout out to Dave Stewart who kills it on the colors in this book. The way that Hellboy is depicted as being sick, largely through coloration. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's some body language stuff too. He looks thinner and ga- like gaunt when he's sick, but he he is drained of color. Yeah, it's great. Which is especially notable because whether it's it's Stewart doing the coloring or Mignola himself doing the coloring, like back in the early days. Hellboy's always the brightest thing on the page. Always. Like, un- unless it is a scene that takes place in broad daylight, or unless Liz Sherman's on fire, Hellboy's the brightest thing on the page. Uh, he's bright red, no matter what the lighting situation is. And I feel like 
his physical presence on the page is enough. It's not that Hellboy has no personality, but like he can get away with like being very blasé because so much of who he is is conveyed through that visual. And through the fact that he's always like he's always got that, you know, kind of disappointed expression on his face. Yeah. Because his face is designed to look like that. He's he's designed to have a scowl at all times. Yeah. The newer movie seems to make Hellboy too I don't know, reactive. Like that is a Hellboy who would absolutely who would absolutely be like, What? I killed Satan. Are you kidding me? Whereas Hellboy in the you comic is me? like yeah, you joking me? The Hellboy in the comic, it would like is at best like, oh, I killed Satan. Okay, you know, oh, like, oh crap, I guess I did. <laughs> like you know, that's it. And and the Ron Perlman Hellboy gets it a little better, mm-hmm. but even he's like a little too. I don't know. He's he's a little too. He's kind of an asshole. Like he's got the personality down. Way better than I think the new movie had it. But even then, it's just a little off. And I feel like that's part of why it's so hard to make a Hellboy movie. Yeah. Because because of what we talked about, where Hellboy is just like the the demon guy in the middle of a thing. Yeah. And if you're going to make a Hellboy movie, you got to make a noir. Not I a big like- sci-fi superhero movie. I feel like Hellboy is one of the ultimate examples of here's what comics does. Cause you can like, you can make a cartoon look like Hellboy. You can make a, like, obviously you can make a Hellboy movie, but like they'll never make a Hellboy movie that feels like Hellboy. Like I I don't think they should stop trying, but it's never going to happen because so much of Hellboy is about Mike Mignola's art. It's about atmosphere. It's about those ancillary panels that are just kind of there on the page. Like, it's it's all about comics. It's a, it is a comic book. It is a piece of the comic book medium. And it proves that comics are unique because you but can't do that shit in movies. I think you could make a Hellboy movie, but it will never happen. Because to have the budget necessary to make a Hellboy movie – that feel to, that could be successful, you would have to have executives who are like, okay, but but why isn't Hellboy driving the action? Why isn't this movie about Hellboy? How can we make it about him? And blah, 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 right? Mm-hmm. So unless you have somebody like a George Miller or a director who can get away with Mad Maxing the character... Mm-hmm. Or making him a noir detective where he's just kind of almost a disinterested party in the midi- middle of somebody else's conflict. I, the, 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 it's not going to feel like Hellboy. What are they going to do? Like cut to a shot of a skull for three seconds? You know? <laughs> yeah, do it. Like, I mean, it doesn't have to be for three seconds. It can be like a quick, a quick cutaway. The, they would have to figure out so much lighting to make Hellboy feel like Hellboy. Yeah, I mean, and the, honestly, it, the only way to make a Hellboy movie that really, really feels like Hellboy is to animate it. But I don't even I don't even think that would feel like Hellboy. I really don't. Like, I feel like you would have a better chance of doing a Hellboy movie doing something like uh, the Sin City movie, which is, like, very, like, visually in tune with, with what Miller was doing in that book. Uh, you know, 
for for good or ill. Which and which also, I I've gone back and seen clips of that within the last year or so. Mm-hmm. Does not hold up visually. It's oh, you don't say. It's uh, real rough. Just like ten years later. Mm. Okay, we got way off on a tangent about Hellboy movies. Which if we do the Hellboy movie for movie fighters, more to come on that. Um, I think Chris, it's time to rank Hellboy in Hell on uh, the Everest okay. Everlist. Okay, then I I have some more thoughts about Hellboy movies, but yes, you're right. So obviously, this is I, I don't think this is top ten, right? It's not like no, 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 no. It's it's not it's not pancakes. Pancakes is a perfect story, and that's <laughs> the corpse is a perfect story. Yeah, pancakes is number twelve. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not beating pancakes or uh, the, the corpse, corpse is number seventeen. Yeah, it's not it's it's not catching a whiff of either of those. I think it might be better than the next Hellboy story we have on the list though, which is The Wild Hunt. It's been so long since I've read The Wild Hunt and there's so much like The Wild Hunt is directly leads into this story. So uh, yes, if if this story is a direct sequel to anything, it's The Wild Hunt. Yeah. At least at the beginning. Is Okay, so this is this is the Chris and Matt question that we must ask. Is this story better than Marvel 2 and 1 Annual number 7? Ooh, lordy. What if Mike Mignola drew a uh, panel-for-panel cover of that comic? That shit would be great. It would be. Um, I think... I think... Yes. I think it's better. Okay. I think it's better than a lot of stories we have right above that. Yeah, I think it's better than Hereafter. Which is like weirdly comparable. Yeah, but it's the story I'm, of the Fantastic Four in their specific afterlife. I'm looking even higher up than that. Like we have Bat Manga Lord Deathman at number one fifty. <sighs> that that story does have uh, the line "I resurrected myself with the power of righteousness." It does. Uh, and Lord the Court Deathman of Owls. Yoga trickery. The Court of Owls is at one fifty one. I think it's um, probably better than Court of Owls. I I think so too. It might be not as good as Lord Deathman. Okay, here's where I'm going to draw the line. Metal. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm thinking below Lord Deathman, above Court of Owls. So I think as much as we like Lord Deathman, and honestly, like if you want to talk about comparable stuff, like Lord Deathman weirdly is expanded from that original um, Robert Kaniger story. Like it has so many more panels. It's by no means meditative, but it is like way more expanded than the other version of that story. Yes, uh, which makes it work really well, I think. Um, and it's fun, and it's got great designs, and uh, you it, you cannot question anything that happens in it. Right. <laughs> Everything that happens very very clearly happens. He held his breath for a long time. Right. <laughs> He held his breath for a long time. Slowed his heart rate down. That yeah. yoga thing that I have read 26 comics about and have never heard of happening in real life. I mean, have you ever heard of someone shooting lasers out of their eyes in real life? N- no, but this is always presented as something you can just do with yoga. <laughs> Which, what, what, what DDP DVD is that on? Like, how do you have to activate your core and use dynamic resistance to slow down your heartbeat? You you, you got to get way high. You got to get really advanced in the DDP yoga okay. to do it. All right. Fair. 
Uh, yeah, I think I, I would say I would be okay putting it between present tense and metal. Present tense is a no, like another weirdly like two page perfect story. Okay, well then that would put it. Well, okay, but we're saying present tense is a perfect story. I mean, like not not perfect, perfect, but it's like a, a really good two-page story. It is exactly what it needs to be. How about we do this? I, this feels right to me. How about we put Hellboy and Hell in at number 150? Between uh, Present Tense and Lord Deathman. Okay, let's let's do that then. That's a good uh, round number where we can put in Hellboy and Hell. Just real quick, I do want to see what's at number 666 right now. Uh, Demon Annual number two. Ooh, that's good. First hit, man. Hilarious. Uh, after, so that is that is what is it? Number sixty-six. After we add Hellboy and Hell, that's good. Uh, all right. So Hellboy in Hell comes into the list at number one hundred and fifty, and was a joy to catch up on. Joy to catch up on. We loved it. Yeah. Uh, there are now nine hundred and forty-nine entries on the Every Story Ever list. Currently at the bottom, as it has always been, Identity Crisis. Uh, all right. That's going to do it for Comics Catch-Up. Uh, I, this might be the episode where I revealed myself to be very stupid. Uh, Matt, we've, we've all had, we've all had <laughs> one. Uh, if you would like to suggest something for us to read on Comics Catch-Up, uh, you can do that on our Tumblr which is warrocketpodcast.tumblr.com. You can email it to us at warrocketpodcast at gmail.com, or you could tweet it at us. I'm at the Matt D. Wilson. Chris is at the ISB. We will be putting together the new poll for what we're going to read next, uh, within the next week or so, probably. Certainly by the around the 1st of August. One thing that I think we're going to try to do, because so many of our first run of Comics Catch-Up books were Marvel books, mm-hmm. um, maybe some non-Marvel kinds of stuff. Yeah, we, I think so. Like, we, we, did, we did Omega Men. We've, we've done uh, one DC thing. This was a Dark Horse book. But I feel like every other comic sketchup we've done has been Marvel. <laughs> so yeah, we did. We definitely did. Uh, we definitely did Excalibur, and we did Ultimates and Ultimates yeah. Two. So yeah, I think so, it's certainly time. I think we're going to try to expand our horizons a little bit and and read some non Marvel stuff. So please suggest non Marvel things. Yeah, for us and, to and it's read. It's my birthday month, so make them good. Yeah, make them good. Make Chris have a happy comics catch up. In his birthday month. Uh, I told you all the places you can contact us. If you want to support the show, head over to patreon.com slash warrocketajax to kick in as little as a dollar a month to make sure that Comics Catch-Up keeps happening. We keep doing every story ever every month. We do movie fighters. We do snack situation and the regular War Rocket Ajax show as well. Matt, could you also put up a poll asking if Matt is dumb? Um, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I have faith in the electorate that they I don't. will reassure you. I sure don't. I mean, I don't know why I do, but given how our votes have gone in the past, but okay. Look, uh, if I I will, there can be a poll about that. I will not be making it. Don't make that poll. It, um, it's only funny if Matt makes it. 
<laughs> um, maybe somebody it's mean can mean if literally anyone else in the world picks it. Uh, maybe somebody can add something to my wiki page on warrocketwiki.com that just says might be dumb. Okay, everybody, that's it for Comics Catch Up. See you next month. Thanks for listening. See you in hell. Ha <laughs> ha